name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Please be seated. In almost every one of those house-flipping TV shows, the best part is the end, when they reveal the final product with all of the fancy updates. They put the new fancy house picture next to the dumpy original, and we all think, wow, that's impressive. There's something about before and after pictures that grab our attention and impress us. We see the same phenomenon in those late-night infomercials selling the latest stomach-shrinking craze. In the before picture, the guy was flabby, sad, and lonely. In the after picture, he has a six-pack, smiling, rejoicing with friends. Before and after pictures are great marketing tools because we usually can relate to something in the before picture. There's always something we can identify in our house or about our body that we like to improve. So the after picture gives us hope that improvement is possible. And in some cases, it even motivates us to join a gym or redo the kitchen. This same before and after phenomenon is a consistent and repeated theme that occurs almost everywhere Jesus goes with almost everyone Jesus encounters. Jesus changes people. The sick become healthy. The paralyzed walk. The mute talk. The blind become seeing. The dead become alive. And today's gospel lesson is no different. Jesus stepped out of the boat and immediately is confronted by a man who had a demon. Consider the before picture. He'd been living outside among the tombs, dirty and smelly. His clothes would have been dirty and torn if he had any, but he was naked, probably cut up, bleeding, and scarred from tearing away out of the shackles that people kept putting upon him. Like a rabid animal or a drunken pest, he was angry, loud, and out of his mind. That's the before picture. And then Jesus spoke, casting out the demon from the man. The after picture is a man sitting calmly at the feet of Jesus, now clothed and in his right mind. He was even rationally discussing his desire to accompany Jesus. Once again, Jesus changed someone setting him free. The devil and his demons are just as active today, though perhaps not in the same way as the man experienced in today's gospel reading. The demons today are more subtle. After all, why change the strategy when your strategy is working fine? So what would be the before picture of the demons working among us today? It's not always the horrifying scenes portrayed by Hollywood, but the demons are at work whenever sin and shame are left to fester. Simply put, when unbelief reigns 
and our self-made gods replace the true God, that's when we know the demons are getting to work. Luther said that when God is not steering the horse, the devil and his demons will. So if you want to find demons, look where there is unbelief in God. The things that cause us despair, anxiety, guilt, and fear, all of those things flow out of our lack of faith in the true God. In our unbelief, the demons have us growing anxious, convincing us that God won't really take care of us, he won't give us our daily bread, and that our will is better than his. We turn to our addictions to comfort us and to distract ourselves from our problems, letting our demons rule over us. When we convince ourselves that our shameful thoughts, our hurtful words, and selfish actions aren't so bad, and they're not really sin at all, we know that the demons are close. The abortion chambers and pornographers are easy to recognize as demonic, as are the rainbow-clad agencies that seek to mangle our children's organs and lives. But the demons are just as busy when a husband fails to love his wife, when the marriage vows are shattered by our selfishness, and when the parents raise their children to treasure worldly success over God's gifts. When we let money become our God, trusting in it, and when the Dow Jones controls our peace, the demons smile. In the hushed conversations about our coworkers, the sins we hold against others, and the refusal to forgive, yes, the demons are present and active in us, stoking our unbelief and encouraging us to slash with the tongue, linger with the eyes, and indulge with the mind. And their greatest power of all is for the demons to accuse of sin and remind of shame, to have us despairing and in fear of God's wrath. Now all that is our before picture, our modern day struggle with the demons. So if that's our before picture, what does our after picture look like? After Jesus encounters you with his word and brings you to faith, how will the picture of you tomorrow be better than the picture from today? Now, it would be logical to think that our after picture would be the improved version of our before self, right? That's how it goes in the weight loss infomercials and house renovations, after all. Before, you struggled with sin. So after faith in Jesus, no more struggle. Before, you had addictions and temptations. So after knowing Jesus, the addictions will evaporate. Before, you were anxious and worried and afraid about much. 
But after Jesus, no more anxiety and no more fear. Before, sinful. After, perfect. That's what it would seem to be for us if we followed the same logic as infomercials. But that's not how it goes for the Christian. That is not your after picture. If having faith in Jesus means sinlessness and no struggles against sin, then, if you're honest, none of us have faith in Jesus. A lack of sin is not evidence of faith. If it were, none of us would have faith. Here's the point. If Jesus engaging with us is supposed to make us sinless, we would no longer need him. Only sinners need a savior. Jesus didn't come to you so you would stop needing him. But Jesus keeps coming to you because he knows that you keep needing him. Again, Jesus didn't come to you so you would stop needing him. But Jesus keeps coming to you because he knows that you keep needing him. The after picture of the formerly demon-possessed man in today's gospel lesson is him sitting at the feet of Jesus, wanting more of him, not less. Being free from the demon, the man knew that he needed Jesus even more. And he went home telling everyone what Jesus had done for him. After Jesus has brought us his sin-forgiving, demon-freeing touch, it is not that we become sinless. Instead, those who have been given faith in Jesus recognize their sin and daily struggle against it, daily confessing to God and being forgiven by him. The after picture for the Christian is not sinlessness, but it's repentance and faith. It is a sinner who knows that he needs Jesus, a sinner who brings his brokenness to the one who fixes, who brings fears to the one who sets free from fear, who casts burdens and anxieties on the one who is greater than all that burdens us. The after picture of the Christian is not a sinless marriage or a flawless family, but a husband and wife who ask one another for forgiveness when wrong is done and freely forgive as they have been forgiven, modeling forgiveness for their children. It's not sinless children who are crushed and controlled by the law, but it's children who run to Jesus, who forgives their wrongs as they pray for strength to overcome temptation. The Christian is not free from causes of anxiety but when anxiety comes, the Christian calls it what it is, an attack by the demons trying to convince us that there's no God and that we're alone. We call the demons out and turn to our almighty, merciful God for forgiveness and strength and faith 
and the one who has promised to work all things toward good. This is the ongoing life of repentance, the ongoing after picture for those who are baptized into Christ. For all those bearing the Lord's name, we daily are turned from our sin back to God, who takes our guilt, covers our shame, and sets us free. That's why the demon feared Jesus so much in today's gospel lesson. Jesus forgives sins, and that strips the demons of all their power. Jesus has walked up to you today and has forgiven you, cleansed you, and covered you, releasing the power of the demons over you. The devils can no longer accuse you for what Jesus has forgiven. He speaks peace into your demon-attacked life and forgiveness into your sin-filled heart. And he'll do it again and again so that your after picture is always a joyful, forgiven one, that you would rejoice like that once-possessed man at the end of today's gospel. And he went home, proclaiming throughout the whole city how much Jesus had done for him. In the name of Jesus, amen. amen. We stand and confess our Christian faith and the words of the Nicene Creed. I believe in one.